Romans chapter 13, verses 8 to 14, and it's on page 1140. Let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be, are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Thank you, David. Um, sometimes you hear people saying, you've got to live for the day, haven't you? You've just got to live for the day. In other words, for the here and now, I imagine that's what they're saying and, uh, and therefore not pay too, mu- too much attention to tomorrow. Well, Christians, uh, though, live for the day in a rather different sense. Because when we say we're going to live for the day, we mean we're going to live for the day. That's a capital T, capital H, capital E, capital D, capital A, capital Y. And uh, uh, because the day that we're thinking of is the day when Jesus returns, which could be today. It could be any moment. And that's what we're thinking about uh, in this passage, living for the day. When he returns, he'll end the world as we see it now and introduce a new heaven and a new earth. And uh, so this morning we're thinking of uh, living for the day. And uh, we're with that passage that David just read for us. That's page 1140 of our church Bibles. And it's verses 8 to 14. And uh, some... Uh, following some advice that was, uh, came in that book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, um, we're going to begin with the end in mind. So we're going to go to the last bit first, because I think that'll help us to, uh, to understand this rightly and properly. Actually, living for the day is also beginning with the end in mind. Because if we live as Christian believers, as we live today for the day, we're actually living with the ends in our minds now as we live day by day. The day of Jesus' return, when he winds up the world as we know it, 
when all sin and evil and wickedness will be judged and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth will start again where God and his people will live in perfect harmony forever. And living for the day remembers that the day could be any day, that it could be today. And so we're going to begin with the end in mind as we look in uh, chapter 13 here and verses 8 to the end of the chapter in verse 14. We're going to go to the end first because when we go to the last part of this passage, I think it will help us to understand the first part of the passage. Uh, because, you know, if we know what lies ahead, it would help us to live now. So, for instance, tomorrow, if you knew that tomorrow you were going for... Um, I don't know, you're going down to the beach tomorrow, say, uh, or if you're going to climb a mountain, or you're going to go out on your bike or something, and you were going to do it first thing, you would get dressed in stuff appropriate for what you were going to be doing. If on Tuesday you were going for an important interview, say, then again you would get dressed for whatever lay ahead for the interview on that day. So knowing what lies help, help us uh, ahead helps us to prepare for the appropriate thing now and to dress appropriately. So let's go to the end of the passage. The first thing to say is the day is almost here. The day is almost here. Could it be in 2019? Could it be in August 2019? Could it be on the 25th of August, 2019. So let's uh, go on to verse 11, the beginning of verse 12, and do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Now, I'm pretty old-fashioned, I still wear a watch, um, but it does, uh, it does seem, doesn't it, that watches are going out of fashion unless you've got one that you spend a huge amount of money on, and therefore you want to make sure that people know that you've got some very expensive of watch. But I guess most of us, if I, if I asked you, if you're under 30 and asked you the time, almost certainly I think you'd probably go to your phone, wouldn't you? And, uh, because, and it's more, probably more accurate than a watch anyway. But, uh, uh, but um, so, but the way we use time varies. So, for instance, you ask me what the time is, and it's 10.33, just on. Um, or we could say, it's time to go shopping, or it's time to end the service, or whatever. Now, if we use those time to go shopping idea, we use the word time in a slightly different way. And when you look at verse 11 here, it's using the word time not as in, oh, it's half past 11 or something, but as in, it's time to go shopping. And do this, understanding the present time, or if you like, the times. Understand the times. So, uh, in this it's saying, you've got to wake from your slumber, or your lethargy. Or, you've got to wake up from your faffing around as a Christian. You need to take this seriously. Jesus' return is nearer now than when you got converted. That's what he says. And then when we look at the end of verse 11, our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. If you're a Christian, then we do have salvation now, but it will be yours in all its fullness when Jesus returns, and that day is nearer now than when you first believed. It means when Jesus returns, you will have the fullness of your salvation. We will have heaven, and with Jesus for all eternity. And because we don't know when that will be, it means we need to be ready all the time. 
So an American uh, evangelist and Bible teacher said this, the imminent return of our Lord is the great Bible argument for a pure, unselfish, devoted and unworldly and active life of service. It's the biblical motivation for it. Jesus will return. We don't know when. It's nearer now than when we first believed. So make sure you're ready. There won't be any warning. So that's the first thing. The day is almost here. Second, so wake up and get dressed. Uh, have a look at verse 11 and 12 and perhaps verse 14 as well. Rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and don't, don't think, don't even think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, it seems to me, uh, here at BH recently, we haven't talked a great deal about uh, the second coming here. Uh, but we've got to be, not recently, but we've got to be aware. We've got to wake up. We've got to get our, our brains in gear and understand that it could happen any time, any day. And we've got to realise the implications that has for us. And we've got to live in the light of that coming day. We've got to live in the light of the day. So look at the end of verse 12. Let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. And in verse 14 as well there. The night is nearly over. So let's put aside the deeds that belong to the world in which we live, the nights. And actually let's be ready for the daytime. So when we're thinking of those deeds of darkness, we've all got them. And it will vary from person to person, won't they? So what are, what are your deeds of darkness? Would it be, I say, there are zillions of them, possibilities, aren't there? Are you spiteful towards someone you frankly envy? Impatient with the younger generation? The bad language, you'd be ashamed if someone heard you. But you still use it. Your lingering eye and wandering thoughts, that rather pretty young mum at the school gate. Or the inability to forgive. What we're being told here is we need to put those things away and to do so decisively. And the reason for it is that Jesus is coming back. And those are completely inappropriate for anyone who would name Jesus as their Lord and their Saviour. Someone put it like this, and I rather like the analogy. Um, uh, they said, sin is rather like dog poo. And then they said, kick the sin off your doorstep and you won't have it in the house. That's a good thing, isn't it? Good thing to do. And then positively, we see here, put on the armour of light. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here, verse 12. says, put aside the deeds of darkness, kick it off our doorstep and put on the armour of light. And verse 14, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't even think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. No planning, no plotting, not even thinking about it. Um, another version of the Bible says, let Christ Jesus himself be the armour that you wear. And it's talking about our union with Jesus, with Christ which we have at the deepest and the most intimate level of our beings. But how do we put on the armour of light? 
How do we clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, some people I know would go to Ephesians chapter 6, where the Bible talks about the armour of God. And in the morning, they will consciously, and one by one, put on these elements of the armour of God. So they'll, they'll put on the belt of truth, and then they'll put on the breastplate of righteousness, and then they'll put on the gospel of peace and take up the shield of faith, and put on the helmet of salvation, and pick up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And that's a good thing to do. You could do it tomorrow morning. Why not do it tomorrow morning? Turn to Ephesians chapter 6, find there where it's talking about uh, the armour of God, and uh, put those things on one by one. And then it says at the beginning of verse 14, rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Not the things in verse 13, we'll come to those in a minute, but actually clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a conscious paying attention to Jesus and our relationship with him. It's a a renewing of that relationship every morning. That's why uh, Christians... Uh, through the centuries, of said actually, and the Bible tells us it's a good thing to read your Bible and pray. And we said as a practice, it's a good thing to set aside some time. Every morning is a great time to do it before anything else happens. To lay aside time to read your Bible and to pray. That's what I do in the morning. Get up, and I don't do it just because I'm a vicar. I've done it ever since I've been a Christian. Actually, I started off um, reading my Bible at night time, and then I'd wake up in the morning and find my Bible on the floor, because I'd uh, uh, fallen asleep while reading it. So I changed to the morning. And for me, that's better, because I'm a morning person. Get up, get a cup of tea, sit down, draw the curtains, praise God for a new day, read my Bible, pray, look at the news, pray what's on the news, on a on a phone or something, and uh, pray for what's going on in the world, pray for you guys, and things like that. Every day we've got to do that. We want to do that as Christian people. And what we're doing, I don't do it because I'm a vicar. I'll do it anyway. I want to do it because I'm in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that needs to be uh, renewed every day. And it's consciously staying alongside him. Wearing Jesus, even, to use the, uh, the picture. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 14. Uh, in every situation you come across every day. The day is almost here. We need to wake up and we need to get dressed. And the third thing here is this. Uh, Live as in the daytime, or if you like, walk. The, The biblical analogy of living is like walking. Walking, 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 as in the daytime. Now, uh, look at verse 13. Let us behave decently as in the daytime. Then he gives a list of things not to do. Not in carousing, drunkenness, sexual immorality, debauchery, dissension, jealousy. We don't want those things. But how about we look back over, say, the last week or so and uh, assess our behaviour? And, uh, and if we did that, was your behaviour at all times daytime behaviour? I'm sure it wasn't. Because none of us have daytime behaviour all the time. And therefore, that's why, for instance, in the C of E, it's a good thing that we have a confession. And we used it and we said the confession together. But I hope we didn't just say it. I hope we meant it. I hope it came from our hearts. And it was genuine. That's a good thing to do. Don't wait for Sundays, because there will be times when you need to 
uh, be confessing your sins to God at other times as well. See, daytime behaviour is behaviour that fits the day. Behaviour that you'd be okay with if Jesus just arrived. As one day, he surely will. Nighttime behaviour is, well, it includes, for instance, in verse 13, um, carousing. Carousing is one of those things you think, yeah, that's carousing. Um, And then, could you define it? As I thought, "Mm, actually... I'm not sure I can. So I looked up in a dictionary. This is it. Um, Crowsing. To have a noisy or lively drinking party. Were you at one last night? Did you host one last night? Have you got a hangover this morning? Are you listening online because you do have a hangover on Sunday morning and you couldn't get to church? Well, we don't want carousing, do we? No, we don't. And then, well, it might not be just drunkenness, because it talks here in verse uh, uh, carousing and drunkenness, or getting high. Maybe we need to ask help and ask God's forgiveness on those things. Sexual immorality. Taking sex out of of its rightful marriage in all sorts of ways. We could be doing that. Debauchery. Unrestrained lust. Does that happen at work, say? And you join in because it's very difficult not to or do you walk away? Uh, dissension, rebellious dissent against others, especially those in authority. Now, we all have bad days from time to time, don't we? What happens when the ref has a bad day? Even when you're watching them on the television, what do you say about the ref on the television if they're having a bad day? He or she, doesn't have to be any, you know, it could be netball just as much as anything else, couldn't it? Or football or cricket or the umpire and so on. But what happens when they have a bad day? And what's our attitude? How do we express that? And jealousy. Is there anyone you're jealous of? Why not start being thankful for them and praying for them? Now, all those uh, things there in verse 13, um, they come from self-will, selfishness, seeking our own pleasure, failing to love. Instead, verse 13, the beginning of it, let's behave decently. Or another version has it delightfully, walk becomingly. Let's walk becomingly. It's that steady progress, that uh, Uh, steady, godly plod of a life lived well, as in the daytime. And why don't we start by asking God to help us to live as in the daytime. We may want to do that quietly. We're going to pause just at the end of the sermon. We may want to pray quietly then, or perhaps pray with someone with the prayer team. Hello. Uh, After the service. And I can't leave um, verses 13 and 14 without telling you this, uh, this story. It's a true story of a man for whom verse 13 here became a gateway to life. He had a Christian mother, 
Highly intelligent, he was well educated. In his own words, though, he began to be addicted to sex when he was 16. This is what he wrote. My youth bubbled up and obscured and darkened my soul so far that it could not distinguish the beauty of love from the money darkness, the muddy darkness of lust. And he went to university and he abandoned whatever remained of his faith. But he still searched for some kind of meaning. Philosophy failed to satisfy. He tried astrology. That didn't work. He tried respectability. So he dropped his mistress and got engaged to a much nicer girl. Then he dropped her for another. And then one day, he turned up at church. And he started going from time to time. And his interest in Christianity was awakened by the sermons he heard. And then one day, as he sat in the garden of his house... He heard a a child's voice over the wall, and uh, it sounded like part of a game. Take up and read, take up and read. And he just felt himself drawn to his New Testament. So uh, he found the New Testament in his Bible, and he opened it at random in Romans chapter 13. Not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. And the words went to his heart like an arrow. And he turned to Christ that day. The date? The early 5th century. The man, his name was Augustine, and many think he was the greatest theologian and preacher and leader the Christian church has ever had. Live in the daytime. And then fourth, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Well, we've seen that Jesus will return. The day is near. That's our motivation for waking up and living like Jesus. Uh, And so we're going to go back to verses 8 to 10 here. Verses 8 to 10. And it's all about love, which uh, sums up all we need to talk about. Love people, all people, that's it. So let's pray in the sermon. Well, I'd like to say a couple of things. Let me explain uh, a little bit more, first of all. Now, first of all, just in verse 8, something is mentioned here in passing, so I want to mention it here in passing. Let no debt remain outstanding. It's not the main thing, but pay your debts. Now, it's not saying don't have a mortgage. It's not saying don't say have a car loan. But it is saying be careful. Be prudent. Never take out a loan to buy something, which actually in your heart of hearts you reckon I might struggle to repay this. What about your credit card at the end of the month? It's very easy to build that up. Pay off the debts. And as a Christian, if you are in debt now, the priority must be to pay it off. And to work out your lifestyle to adjust that. And if you need some help with that, the St. Luke's Advice Centre very helpful. Uh, So do pop down to see them if you need to. Christians need to pay their debts. But there's one debt that we will never pay completely. And uh, it is the debt to love. So he says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. 
And uh, there's another early church father, a guy called Oregon, Oregon, said this. The debt of charity, or love, is permanent, and we are never quit of it. For we must pay it daily, and yet always owe it. As J.B. Phillips, who did a paraphrase of the, uh, the New Testament, wrote, the perpetual debt of love. It's a debt that we owe now, we will always owe it, because Jesus loved us and loves us still, and we love him, we'll just simply love him in return. But there is a lifelong obligation to live our lives loving, because Jesus loved us. And love is the fulfillment of the law. That's what he says here. Uh, Whoever loves others, under verse 8, has fulfilled the law. And uh, what he says is, he takes the the last few commandments in verse 9, and he says, if you love someone, you're not going to break any of those commandments. So look at verse 9. You shall not commit adultery. If you love someone, if you love your wife, you will not, or your husband, you will not commit adultery. Uh, you shall not murder. If you're loving someone, you won't murder them in your mind or in your actions. You shall not steal. If you love the person who owns what you're considering taking, then you will not steal what they have. You shall not covet. If you love someone, you will not be coveting the things that they have, because you're probably therefore jealous of them, and love is going to dissolve that gradually, bit by bit. So that's what he's saying. Those commandments there, love sums them up, because if you're loving, you will keep those commandments. And we need to keep on loving others, just as Jesus did, as we wait for the day, as we remember that the night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So how can you love today? How can I love today, this afternoon, before we leave this building? How can we, how can we love tomorrow morning, bank holiday Monday? How can we love people then? Well, I think the first step is to ask that question, isn't it? To be conscious about it and how we might do that. How can I love X, Y, Z today? Lord, please help me to think that through. How can I love my enemy today? How can I love my neighbour The person just over the fence or the one, two doors down or whatever it is? How can I... Na- or... Or how can, I, how can I love my neighbour sitting next door to me in church today who I've never actually talked to? How can I love my husband and my wife? How can I love my girlfriend, my boyfriend, my mum, my dad, my grandchildren? How can I love them today and then do it? And remember, Jesus said, love your neighbour as yourself. And that is a very good way indeed of living for the day. Wouldn't it be great if Jesus arrived while we're still alive? And wouldn't it be great if he could say the people of Bishop Hannington, they're loving one another, they're loving their neighbour, and they're going out of their way to do it in a very godly way. That's what we want to be like, isn't it? Let's pray.